We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yep. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Value Add with K&K. Today, we have Skylar Irvine in the house. Hello, so, everybody. Skylar, Thank you for having me. Yes, we're on, we're on the Zoom. Unfortunately, um, we don't have private jets where we can get here quickly, so we have to do Zoom for now. I was strongly trying to surprise you guys and just, you know, I could do a day trip to San Diego and it did not happen, but I really wanted to uh, try to just show up to the office at one o'clock today and just say, yeah, let's do it live. Um, so next time, I promise. That would crazy, honestly. That would have been crazy. But you'd be missing the good weather here. We've had like weird no, Seattle-like weather. He has the same stuff. He's in Arizona. Yeah, so, so yeah. you wouldn't be escaping yeah. that. <laughs> no, no. I'm digging this weather, though. It's a lot of fun for us. We don't, we don't see this basically ever maybe every couple of years. I kind of like it too. Kenny doesn't like it as much, but I'm like, I'm kind of ready to like cozy up. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, throw, we'll throw on like a sweatshirt when it's 70 degrees just because yeah, we yeah. want to wear something different. So <laughs> it's actually been cold. We didn't like, I don't have actual cold weather gear. I just have hoodies that I thought were warm. I have a parka somewhere I could dust off and bring out. <laughs> parka. Well, now, yeah, now's the time. It'll, it'll go away by next week. I'm sure. Yeah. So Skylar, um, we met uh, at a Gary D, Gary V four D event. Uh, I think it's back in May. It's almost a year ago, which is crazy. Um, and then actually, you help. You're a huge help to us because you sent me your podcast list. So we have all the gear that you use. We're using because I was oh, just perfect. like, yeah. I mean, we went and then Francisco said it was good. We bought it, so we're totally happy with it. We're using all that. So thanks for that. And then, Absolutely. Glad we could help. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, since it's almost been a year later um, for Gary V, have you kind of, what have you, have you, did you do anything different with your business or did, what did you take away from that? Like now you're a year later, it's been a while, like, you know, what, what did you kind of get out of that now you look back? You know, that's, that's an awesome question. And it's one of the side effects of like putting out a lot of content is, being able to reflect on things in real time and then also going back and listening to them. And recently, I think we both kind of connected when Gary V actually posted on his podcast channel clips from our session with him and to re-listen to those six months later. And, and it really brought me back to, Oh yeah, I remember that. That seems like it was so much further uh, long ago than it really was. And when I came back from it. One of the biggest realizations for me, and it's going to sound maybe like cocky or condescending. I, I don't know, but it was mostly validation. There was a lot of things that I was doing, um, going up against resistance, but things that I believed in and was trying to do. And a lot of my conversation with him and with his team was they saw what I saw in a lot of these spaces. And I took away from it a lot of like, I'm really excited about this path that we're on. And, and because we're going after the things that aren't really here yet, that it seems like you can be doing a lot of stuff without seeing results immediately and talking with him and then listening to that six months later, where a lot of what he said was focusing on these two things that people aren't doing because you've got more of an advantage doing that the more I cut away the services that we were offering and focused more on video content and more on podcasting specifically, mm -hmm. we quickly became the only people in town doing that. And by doubling down on that, it ended up leading to more business, offering more services. When we came to the place saying, we can do all of your uh, social media marketing for you, that's a crowded space. When we said, okay, we will do these podcasts and what we do and we do video, we do audio, we do the social media clips and all that. By only doing that, it brought in more clients. And then 30 days later, 60 days later, the same clients come to us and say, well, what do you guys charge to post this for us? What do you guys charge to manage Facebook campaigns? And by, by basically only offering one thing, it led to all these other things that we were trying to offer in the first place. Re-listening to Gary Vee's chat with just him and I going back and forth talking about podcasting as a business, we basically concluded that it just took me another six months to actually implement it and then 
seeing actual results from it while listening to a conversation I had a, a, almost a year ago now has been a very unique experience um, because we basically create so much content. I can, I can re-listen to a conversation I had a year ago. I can watch these videos I made right when I got back about what I learned, and it's almost like journaling in real time. That's the, the, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and on that note, what is um, – I mean, I know you have the Skylar Irving show, and then what, what exactly – you, cause you talked about your business. Do you have another business name or what is it? I know you live in Arizona. What exactly are you doing then there for like, the, is it just the local market? Are you working with people all over the place? Just tell me about your business and what exactly you're focusing on. Yeah. So I'll try to do it very fast, but I, I essentially was uh, buying fix and flips during the recession. Uh, Blackstone came in with $2 billion worth of cash and the prices of foreclosed homes doubled overnight. We pivoted into a retail real estate company where I partnered with some buyer's agents and said, I will do all the marketing. You guys do um, the buy side and I'll handle marketing the listings and the sell side. And Facebook came around where I saw a huge opportunity where a lot of these sales coaches that I participated in were like, you got to make 10 phone calls a day, uh, get a, get conversations. And I kind of took that model and applied it to Facebook and, and, and social media specifically just thinking if I spend an hour on the phone to talk to 10 people, that's 10 people. If I spent an hour making a piece of content, video, post, whatever happened to be, I could reach maybe a hundred people in an hour. Yeah. I go to bed that night. It's still reaching people. The next day it's still reaching people. So it wasn't that I was trying to find a way out of making phone calls. It was how can I leverage what I'm already doing on social media and reach more people? So our real estate, I mean, we're in, I was a brand new agent, so to speak, doing retail real estate. In our first year, we did 7 million in sales. By year two, we did over 22 million in sales without increasing our ad budget at all. It was just doing organic stuff on Facebook. Facebook ended up doing what it did. It got a lot more popular, a lot bigger, but it was a free thing that I could do where trying to buy a real estate website was very expensive. Trying to buy a big fancy office building was really expensive, but Facebook doing it a certain way was essentially free. And the more I did the marketing side of that, the more I wanted to basically take that, that marketing division of the real estate company and do what I did for my real estate company for other businesses. So I spun that off into its own thing, walked away from real estate about three years ago and was basically Facebook wasn't the opportunity it was. It was good, but it, it didn't have the, the, the opportunity for me to go in and really kind of um, have not a lot of competition and dominate because it got more crowded. I spent an entire year making videos on YouTube. I didn't know what it was going to be. I just knew there was something here with video specifically. And that's when I decided, okay, I want to be this digital marketing agency for multiple businesses, not just real estate, because when I built my real estate company, I realized I got to the point where I was spending about eight hours a day on social media, marketing it effectively without spending on ads. Wow. Because I had a business partner and a business that ran itself, I could go full-time on marketing while my team did the full-time on business. When I looked at the landscape, I realized, okay, my competition is going to have to do the same thing. They're either going to have to spend this much time on social media, marketing, learning those sales tactics, while also spending time on their business. They're going to have to partner with someone 50-50 to do it, or they're going to have to hire an agency that does it better than anyone else, and that's how they will scale. I sought out to build that agency for the people that wanted to go that route. And the mistake I made was trying to be that agency from day one where I was like, I know this works, I've done it, it works, but, but trying to explain to people that hadn't gone through that experience yet was the tough task. By trimming it down to, okay, podcasts and video, that's what we're going to offer. So anyone that wants podcasts, we're the only one that does it the way we do it. It makes it easier to sell that product than trying to be one of the many Facebook marketing companies or one of the many uh, advertising companies. Um, so that's how... I've gone from real estate to Rensselaer Media to Rensselaer Media producing podcasts and social media content for businesses. Long-term play is to continuously grow this agency and do what I set out to do from the beginning, but we're doing it kind of one service at a time at this point. And so are you, what's, um, what's some typical kind of, are you working with like just um, all types of companies then? Yeah, real estate um, finds me. Um, and I think it's a factor of having a real estate background. I know what agents and loan officers are looking for, but I also think that agents and loan officers specifically are a little bit more entrepreneurial, risk-taking and, and, and aware of marketing more so than like insurance salesmen more so. And, and not to, not to throw anyone under the bus. It's just, 
my experience has been they're more willing to try to promote themselves. Um, so they will try new things. Like they will try Instagram ads. They will try well, podcasts. They just have to try to get as many sales as possible, right? Like, exactly. It's, yeah. And it's totally true. Whereas everyone else will kind of, is is slower to change and try new things. So being a business that's all focused on these new things, yeah, that's where most of our, that's where a lot of the conversion comes from. Um, but we do all types of industries, really, everything from um, any type of social media, video content. Um, one of our big products, and not to turn this into a sales pitch, but essentially taking your about me page. This is one of my, my, my talks that I like to go over where people build out their own website. They spend half a day building out their about me page. When is the last time you read someone's about me page? Meanwhile, we spend so much time building ours, thinking about like how important it is and all the words that matter. We basically created a video product that we do where we, we take your about me page and make it a storytelling video that can play on your website, on your social media, on your YouTube channel. Um, and that's been a big kind of, by taking an actual product and being able to market it, it's, it's been really helpful for us as a business to say, here's this product that you can buy, even though we end up doing a lot of custom work for people, having that type of product has been really helpful. It's funny you say that. So we, were, um, we went to the 10X Grant Cardone, which is crazy. But um, we were kind of there, not for the rah-rah, but more for like, there's a lot of marketing guys there. So one of the guys was Ty Lopez got up on stage and it was interesting. There's people in this crowd below like VIP and he's like, okay, let's look at somebody's website here. Who has a website? Give me your website. He starts picking people's websites They throw it up on the big screen. He's like, oh my gosh. So everything he said, he's like. Guys, a website, number one, is when you're in real estate or something, how is it that you do not have a video that talks about your product yourself right on the front page? Like, he's like this, and he was just cracking down on everything. And it was like, hey, if one, one person had a house of a nice VRBO or something, he's like, where's the hot girl in the pool? Like, come on. Like, and he's just saying as he gets it, he's like, people don't want to see all this crap. They just now want to see like a video about you and understand your product and you and feel you and see you. And so it's funny you say that because – even um, what we're doing now is just so much video. Like we're explaining like the loan process. She does commercial, I do residential, like just break down the loan process and just going like literally like Gary Vee says, just go through every single little thing. He was right all along. It's like, you just got to tell the story. People just want to hear the damn story. They need to know and know because nobody really understands it. You think they do. You're like, well, they understand the loan process. No, they don't. They, they, they don't. You're in it every day, so you do. But that guy did it last time five years. He doesn't understand it. So he might want to look at 20 videos to talk about 20 different things about a loan process that are a minute long rather than read you know, a seven-page you know, pamphlet you give them because it's easier. Yeah. And, and real estate's the fun one too, because you, you work with people like every seven years on, on average. Um, and, and the way you promote yourself is, is you get so, so into it. And when I, when I had this advantage on Facebook, it was, we couldn't, I wasn't really posting videos because this was like early days in Facebook, but it was a lot of posts and not relevant to Facebook or not relevant to my business. It was funny stuff throughout the day, which is basically like vlogging is today. And people would say, oh, that was so funny or it was so cool when you did that one thing because I knew that if they liked it, they could click on my profile and then see that I was in real estate. They could find all that information. And the same thing with the website. It's how much it took me to engage with people before I could do video was a lot of work. Whereas one two-minute video, if you see a video of me you have a pretty good idea of who I am and what it'd be like to work together. Whereas it would take hundreds of blog posts to get to that same level. (laughs) That video is just, it's just quick and instant. So you can put these videos out and, and people can connect with you right away. And, And I'll put off a lot of people. I like when I was had, when I was the listing agent, I was on Yelp. I would go to listing appointments. People would, would basically have me try to convince them to let me sell their home. I realized quickly that I was constantly competing with the other two top people at Yelp. So if I looked at the numbers over the year, I would get about 33% of the deals no matter what. And I could have spent a lot of time to become a better salesman and more cutthroat and grow from 33% to maybe 35, 40, 50% and maybe increase my margins a little bit. Or I could reach more people and instead of going on 10 listing appointments at 33%, I could go on 100. And video is the thing that kind of allowed me to do that because it's, 
I put out a video. It's still out there. It's out there tomorrow. It's out there next year. If you do the, it the right way and it's on YouTube, it can be searchable. People can find it. I've got videos where I get clients because they comment on a Facebook video I posted six months ago, tagging their friends saying, this was the guy I was telling you about you should meet. Mm-hmm. Those kind of serendipitous things happen because that's kind of how business is done today in that space. If no one really carries your business around, card around to hand out to other people, they'll pull you up on Facebook right away and tag their friend to your page. Mm-hmm. Having content out there, it, it's not to do it for those reasons, but those things are one of the reasons seriously doing content is really helpful. And because it's video, I stopped going on listing appointments because by the time they called me, they'd already made that choice. They weren't calling me to say, hey, I want you to come talk to me about the house. They called me because, hey, I've been watching your videos for a while. We've got a house to sell. Can we work together? All of a sudden, I went from trying to sell myself on listing appointments to were being sold and just contacting me as a closed deal at that point. And that changed, that changes everything when you don't have to like try to sell yourself in meetings at that point. It's so much more natural too than like having this interview process sitting in front of people, like kind of planning a presentation. I mean, it's just, you know, it's (laughs) It's just so, yeah, it's just, I I mean, not everybody does good in that setting either. It's, it's, uh, it's, I, I agree. It's just, you know, it's just, it takes taking a lot of time for people to just understand it. It's just, you know, it's just people are still set in this old school mentality because they're like, but I can get in front of them. Like, like you said, yeah, but how many, you can't go on a hundred listing points in a day. You, you can't get in front of them. There's, there's just no way. I mean, um, so a couple of things I want to talk about. One was obviously the podcasting. Um, I know, I believe you've done well over a hundred podcasts, correct? Yes. Um, so the Skylar Irvine show was that first thing I started. It was just a generic show because we didn't know where it was going to go. We're over a hundred episodes on that, but I've, I've done, we have got a new thing, uh, ask Skylar live, which we run as a Facebook live show that then goes out as a podcast also. Um, so we're, I'm probably over 200 podcasts at this point. Wow. 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 Good for you. That's awesome. Um, so because, you know, we started, but what is your advice? Because you probably get this all the time, but what is your advice to somebody starting a podcast? Like if you can kind of just give advice and then maybe some of what were your, some of your biggest mistakes that you've corrected now or, you know, just kind of along those lines. And I, it really comes down to like, how do you define what a podcast is and what you're trying to do with it? Because I created something because I left a real estate business and entered into a whole new business where I had zero brand recognition and I'm in Phoenix, I'm downtown, I'm in the tech space and I'm in the marketing and social media digital space. What was the best way for me to grow as fast as possible by having an interview style podcast where I could interview the owners of social media influencers, uh, business CEOs, marketers. It allowed me to meet people that I wouldn't have been able to meet otherwise. And 50 episodes in 50 weeks allows me to all of a sudden be introduced to their friends, their audiences, what they're doing. And it grew my network because I was trying to drive awareness to us as a company and the things that we were doing and basically trying to raise my own brand awareness because I was starting from scratch. Had I been trying to create a podcast that I wanted to compete with like Joe Rogan or something on a national scale, it would have been a different model. I would have probably been more generic to reach and appeal to more people. My content was very hyper-targeted towards a certain type of person who might not be a large audience, but they are a high paying audience. They are the audience that I needed for my business. I look at podcasting as a very low cost way. Whereas I could call up the CEO of the building next to me and say, Hey, I want to talk to you about our services. Can I buy you a cup of coffee and show you how we could help you? The guy gets called all the time. He's going to say no. They, they, they usually say no. If I call him up and say, hey, I've got this podcast. I'd love to have you on my show and feature you. Uh, we'll make a video and audio format for you, introduce you to an audience, and give you a bunch of content that you can use on your social media. Are you interested in that? We have a 100% success rate in two years doing that. Whereas worst case scenario, they're like, oh, I can't. Can we do it in two months? Great. Let's book it. So now I'm getting the person that I was trying to cold call to come into my office, come into my studio, sit down with me for an hour, hear about my business. I help them with their business. They walk away with video, podcasts, photos. They've seen us in action. They've seen us work. If they don't turn into a client or someone that wants to refer us, then I did a terrible job. But I definitely created the opportunity. So my goal with podcasting was just to create as many opportunities as I could. 
the podcast ended up doing so much more over time than I thought it would. And whether it's a podcast, whether it's a show, whether whatever it happens to be, the word podcast right now in 2019 still carries a lot of weight. If I said, come on my Facebook live show, it's, I don't know. Okay. I guess like, it sounds like maybe it's weird. Podcast is a little bit heavier of a buzzword. All of my Facebook live shows become podcasts. Um, I think if you're going to sit down, like some of the advice that I would say is we've been filming everything from day one, because if you're going to sit down and have a 45 minute interview add a camera, spend five more minutes on that 45 minutes so you can put it up on YouTube. So instead of trying to convince someone to download an audio file, spend five extra minutes and maybe double the potential audience by going up on YouTube. Yep. Then add it to Facebook for another five minutes. And then later, if that, if like you predicted something or something went really well, you can go back to that footage, grab a highlight clip, edit it, put it in Instagram with a caption on the top about what you're talking about. Here's the prediction I made in 2018 or this came true or how silly was this? And now this one podcast and I think Gary Vaynerchuk was the first person that called it a pillar of content uh, we call it something else at the time but pillar of content is something way better we basically just treat that as a pillar of content from which we will get more content out of it's easy to have a conversation with people it's hard to come up with a new idea for a video once a week so how can you make it as easy as possible for you to succeed just document something that you're already doing and then find ways to create as much content out of it and reach as many people as possible i'm not trying to get strangers to download a podcast on their phone because my wife who lives with me sees what i do doesn't even use the podcast app she watches podcasts on youtube so it's easier <laughs> it's easier for me to put my podcast on youtube than to try to convince people how to use a podcasting app so i don't need to get the downloads i just want to reach people as as wherever they happen to be and since i'm in phoenix i want to reach them in a very hyper-targeted manner so on instagram i want to reach them in phoenix i'm not trying to get instagram followers in new york city because phoenix is what helps me so my numbers are smaller but it yields better results for what i'm trying to do specifically if my goals were different i would i would have a different a different strategy yeah that's um that's cool no i think kind of like yeah. the way i looked at the way I actually, when I wanted to do podcasting, I looked at like you did. I said, so if I, cause our, we're doing, we do two every Friday. So we're trying to do, you know, we'll have enough in the storage. So we'll have whatever 50 this year. And I said, okay, if the average person that comes on here, which is cool, they get all excited about it and they're going to beat the hell out of it on all their social medias. And then Monty over here makes it look prettier. So then they put it up there. But if, they all have a thousand followers. That's fifty thousand new people that I can get in front of. But that's a thousand. Some of them have more. So, you, like you said, you realize it really starts. It starts to have a snowball effect, I believe. So I, I think that's yeah. the right way to look at it. And I think you can these days to get somebody in a podcast is still cool. It's hip. It's cool. Um, well, for them, it's free marketing too. It's like what an hour or two of their time. So it's free marketing for them. They get to feel yeah, that kind of. And yes, it's kind of like everybody. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's, they're kind of getting to speak on stage. I mean, it could be better than speaking on stage. So I think people like feel honored to be invited to, that's kind of the response that we've gotten. Um, a couple of people have been nervous or whatever, yeah, but like people, it is kind of funny to watch people in here, like, you know, shaking and can I take a shot or like, can I have a cocktail or something? <laughs> that's, why we have the, that's why we have the cart over there, the uh, liquor cart, just in yeah. case they're like, Hey, you need a drink? No, I think you do. Yeah, really. You're like, it's pretty- very true. Yeah. And, and yeah, everyone's looking for more content and when I first started, I remember the one thing I wanted to do was have it feel like they weren't doing me a favor. I was very conscious of like, I didn't want them to owe me one, but I wanted them to feel like they did because that made it feel like, like they got value out of it. Otherwise it was just friends doing me favors and it's like, where's this even going? So that's how we ended up coming up with this highlight clip just through that own process was Sometimes people would come on and be super nervous. It'd be a 45 minute interview, but like five of the minutes were maybe good. And so it's like, all right, this is like, what do we do? All right, let's take those five minutes and make a really cool clip for them because we can give that to them. That's a great clip that's going to go out. If the podcast is boring, what we found out happens is it doesn't ruin you. People just don't listen to it, but you can still have the highlight clip and get a ton of value out of it yeah. where it's, it's going being shared on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and it still exists. And if people are interested, they could go back and listen to that whole show, but not everyone can. And that's where I trying to always provide a ton of value made it 
easier to get more and more people on because then they walk away and they say, Hey, you should have so-and-so on. Cool. I don't know them. I just met two new people. Now that's two more audiences I was going to get. Cause when we started, we're like, all right, here's 10 people. Once we get here, okay, we'll sit down and try to figure out who we're going to get yeah. next because like we're running out of people. And that never happened. Every time we got to that point, it'd be like, all right, when we get to 20, then we'll sit down and figure it out. And, and then finally, like there was a turning point where, okay, now we have to start telling people like no, or we have to be a little cautious about this because a lot of people, if, I found that if people are trying to come on your podcast, you kind of want to be a little bit wary because they've got some of their pitching or something. Um, so you get a little bit like when everyone's trying to like ask you, Hey, you should have me on your podcast. It's like, okay, if I want this thing to be good, I've got to have to have some of my own boundaries. Uh, and that's a really hard thing to put in place because you want to please everyone. And then it gets tough to have those types of conversations. Yeah. Well, we look forward to getting to that point. That, yeah. That's it. That's uh, that's it. Yeah. Um, so you, you obviously in the podcast, you interview a, a wide variety of guests that I've seen. Um, I mean, it's from like social media. I know I was listening to one that you were talking about. Um, well, you had some guy on about a podcast because he's a you know podcast pro. Yeah. Then you had somebody on about, I think you're talking about real estate investing and things like that. Are you, are you just kind of broad? Are you, are you now focusing more like do you, do you have like a main most of the time you want to focus on this target or this subject or that topic? Or are you kind of just like, to throw, I know you throw in stuff about food and eating and stuff like that. It's like, did you have a main focus? Yeah. If I was to narrow it down, our, our one thing going into it was not to be too narrow because I didn't know what it was going to be. I named it the Skylar Irvine show because a, we might change our mind and want to go from one topic to the next. And then B is just throw my name on it. Cause my goal was branding. And the one thing that we had was talking to people about the stuff that they're passionate in and how you could monetize that or how you can turn the thing you love into, into a business and having conversations with people about something that they really love doing, whatever it was. And that led to a lot of cool conversations because like someone who has a full-time side hustle while they're also a corporate engineer and they're like, listen, I love my job. All this stuff out there is about how you got to quit your job and go after the hustle. But like, I really love what I do and I also want to do this. And it's, it was cool to kind of have that story about you can do both. You don't have to pick corporate or the other one. One's not good. One isn't bad. Um, I always try to talk to successful business people about how they could improve their social media marketing, how they could improve their personal branding, because those are things that business people are very interested in that I've found. And then I talked to uh, full-time influencers about how they could improve their business model or how they could monetize their stuff a little bit better because I found very creative people lack some of the business stuff. Uh, a lot of the business heavy people struggle with the creativity side. The one thing that I was able to get in my last 10 years was starting multiple businesses, dealing with all those issues, taking an entire year off, making videos on YouTube, dealing with those types of struggles, building a Facebook following, building an Instagram following. I'm not an expert in all of those areas, but I know enough about a lot of those things to talk to experts. And that's been like the common denominator with the people I talk to is kind of shifting them to the thing that they're not great at by trying to also teach whoever's listening something that they could use that day to help whatever they're doing, either on their business side or on their marketing side. Do you watch your numbers to see kind of like, you know, which podcast did better or what kind of content people want to see more of or things like that. I was definitely, I was definitely a lot more active in that early on. And that was one of the fun things was people that look like they have a huge following. You can learn pretty quickly who's actually got a following and who doesn't um, <laughs> having some people that don't have huge followings be some of the most downloaded shows ever. And then just being like, wow, these people are really crushing it. And it's, I, the one thing you learn is how easy it is to fake numbers because you see the real numbers. And that's the, my wife, but people that I'm closest with still talked about follower counts and stuff. It's like that stuff doesn't mean anything like literally at all. Don't focus on that stuff. Um, so it was, it was, I'm able to say that cause I've lived through that watching those numbers, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, we've had all, I mean, we've had everything go wrong. We had, our iTunes, like 20 episodes in, our iTunes link got crossed up with another person's podcast. Oh so if you clicked on our <laughs> links, it went to their podcast oh and we couldn't God. find our actual shows. So we had to pull all of our stuff off of iTunes, then re-upload it to SoundCloud. And then later we re-uploaded everything to LibsIn. So we've like started over on the audio stuff so many times, but 
we uploaded everything to our website, which has been huge for us is creating a blog post for every single episode. Um, treating every, every episode goes up on YouTube. Now we're uploading it to Facebook the same way because for me, and again, I keep coming down to this because like Tim Ferriss is someone who, who's a good example where he makes money from his podcast. He sells advertising. He needs actual downloads to make more money. I don't need downloads. I need people to see me, hear me, know about me wherever they are. So our podcast was never the most important thing for us. It was that was our pillar. But if you're only seeing my stuff on Instagram, like that's enough for me. I don't need you to be a subscriber to the podcast. I'd like you to be, but if you're following me on Instagram, you're seeing these highlight videos of every episode anyway, you're still getting a value add to me. Uh, so those types of number counts are great to follow and continue. But the stuff that really stands out that the numbers don't show is when someone pitches a meeting to you because they saw a video you did, they show up with their team and they ask you to take a selfie at the end of your meeting yeah. or they ask you to take a photo at your, on your podcast set or they recognize you at a restaurant or they tell your wife um, how much they've been watching your stuff. And that's the type of stuff that's really interesting to me because if you do it the right way, very hyper-targeted, you can, you can grow very quickly and it, it's a, I don't know how to define it yet, but like putting an ROI on, on fame and fame in the sense of just like recognizability to I'll, because I'm in this space, there's certain people that say, Oh, do you follow so-and-so? And I've never heard of them. I said, what do you mean? Their videos are all over Facebook. And it's like, well, no, their videos are all over your Facebook because yeah. you clicked <laughs> on a website at one point. Now they're following you everywhere. So it seems like they are everywhere to you at a low cost. You can do that you can annoy the hell out of people with bad content or you can inspire and, and entertain people with really good content and doing it the right way. You can do insane things for your existing business, whatever it happens to be. It's mortgages, real estate, uh, insurance, uh, selling cars, um, not trying to get famous and rich off the podcast, but using a podcast or using that platform just to drive more business to your current existing thing to me is where the biggest advantage is for podcasting or, or video content, any, any of this type of stuff we're talking about right now. Yeah. I mean, for us, I think for ours, we like to give people value and that's kind of where we went also with this. It's like not just real estate and loans, but I mean, those same people, like you said, they have to be on social media. They need to learn to market themselves. They might start thinking about, you know, starting a podcast and on the podcasting, I did a lot of research too about the, you know, views and your, how many people are subscribing and all that. And it's, it's, I think they, I was reading somewhere, there's a statistic that most of your downloads aren't even subscribed to your podcast. Like most people are listening to your podcast, but they're not subscribing to, to get notified every week. So it's not a very good indicator of how well your podcast is doing. I mean, yeah. Apple is one of the biggest companies on the planet. Their podcast numbers have been terrible forever. They finally recently made an update that made it kind of easier to track. SoundCloud was good and Libsyn's supposed to be the best. And the the actual download numbers are, are tough to track. And I don't know how accurate they are all of the time either. And also people are looking at it right, or they think like right when you release an episode, oh, my numbers aren't looking that good. But since it's available forever, it's like your downloads are just going up within a couple days, a week, a month, three months, whatever. And the amount of, like, the fear is, why should I start a podcast? Everyone has one already. And when you do the actual, like, you look a little bit deeper, you say, well, okay, everyone starts a podcast, 97% quit after three episodes, but they just stay up there. So it looks like they're everywhere. They look like blogs or websites. Like you Google a question, like, yeah, blog results pop up, even if the guy hasn't written in 10 years, but it still looks like it's available. So if you're able to kind of get through that early stage of, of self-doubt or it's not working or this isn't what I thought it would be and keep going, the real impact starts to be exponential at a certain point where you don't realize where a lot of these benefits are going to come from. That's the one thing we learned at Gary V too, is the long game too. It's not it's social media and all of this stuff online, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or whatever, it's not like you do it for a few weeks and you're like, gosh, I'm not really getting any results. It's like, you got to do this thing for years almost before you really start thinking, okay, I'm gaining some traction. I see that firsthand, like clients, A, will find us because they love the creative videos we make. And then they'll eventually talk us into making a really boring commercial for them because they have to like <laughs> follow all of these things. And it's like, okay. Then the video goes up on their Facebook page or website and doesn't go viral. And they're like, see, video doesn't work for us. Meanwhile, they're spending like 
$15,000 on print mailers that go out every single week because they know that if they do it for three years, it'll have an impact. Why they don't treat video marketing the same way, I, I, I haven't been able to bridge that gap. But the video doesn't get thrown in the trash at the end of the month. The billboard comes down. Like their Google ad goes people away. People throw away like their video cards, you make, people. Yeah. It goes right into the trash. Yeah. The video is still around and each one gets better and better. So I've realized that that same kind of drip campaign, whatever you want to call it, works with video where you don't have to watch my videos from beginning to end to get value. If you see a video of me talking about here's how to market on social media, here's how to sell more, here's how to uh, build your personal brand. People are seeing my face, they're seeing those titles, they don't need to see the whole video to know like, oh, that guy's doing another video about this. So if their friend comes up and says, hey, I wanna learn more about social media, it's, oh, you should talk to this guy, he seems to know what he's talking about, he's always doing videos about it. He didn't even have to watch the videos to have that type of impact work for me. And I know people that have several viral videos, have made a big, like a lot of brand awareness through that, those don't make any money. Like viral videos don't make money. Even if you try to put advertising on them, people rip them off, they copy them, they upload them to their own stuff. The people that make monies, um, I don't know if you can cuss on this thing, but they're, yes. the, they're like the Instagram meme accounts, like the Fuck Jerry account, or those people that like take other people's content, put it on theirs and, and monetize that way. So those creators that do get the viral videos that look awesome and make everyone jealous, those people would kill to have a successful business. Meanwhile, the business people want to have like viral fame and, and it just seems like no one can be happy. Yeah. It's funny you say that because when we we're, when we we're in Gary's, um, and he always says this, he goes, everybody wants this viral moment. And Gary said, the problem is if you have a viral moment, you go up and you come down. So if you have a viral moment and you don't know how to monetize and keep that moment going, you're like screwed. I mean, it's funny. Like I, I don't really follow or watch them too much, but if you look at like Jake Paul or Logan Paul, or, you know, the brothers, but yeah. they're huge. But they even said, like I was watching an interview in time with him. He goes, look, I have like, I'm not this wild, crazy guy all the time. Like I'm tired. Like I, <laughs> like I have to go do this crazy shit over here to get these kids to follow me. I got to like drive down the road at 150 miles an hour in my, you know, naked or whatever he does. Right. Like, but he's like, that's not me. But if I don't do that, I might lose following. I might not get paid as much. So they realized how they got a huge following and doing all this crazy stuff. They have to keep that momentum up. And I know now he's like, we're trying to be like, man, could I still monetize myself and not have to do that? And he was talking about this. I was watching this is like, how am I, I got to start moving away from that. Cause I can't keep jumping out of planes and off ropes. <laughs> and it's true though. Like, and that's why Gary said like, Sometimes this like growth like he's had is the way instead of this up and then down because if you it's like the one hit wonder the guy that had the one great song but you're like yeah you had one song what happened to him exactly. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's doing the Macarena <laughs> um, no it, it's totally true and and that's I'm glad that you brought that up specifically because that's kind of like what my what I was trying to get when I started my podcast was kind of telling those stories because. People don't know those things. People don't understand that like, oh, they're jealous of their friend from college who has 100,000 followers on Instagram for taking just photos of their clothes. How easy is that? But then when you interview them, they're like, no, you work seven days a week. You can't take any time off because if you lose that momentum, you lose everything. And whatever makes, whatever like jumping out of airplanes got you there, tomorrow there's going to be 10 other people jumping out of airplanes. So now you got to jump out of a taller airplane, like, like something crazier. Like you got to stay, it's, it's not a sustainable thing because- there's not like the, the business acumen of it. Like if you have the business, use this stuff to help drive traffic to your business. If you're trying to get famous and then turn it into money, there's not that many ways of doing it. If you don't know how to actually run a business or, or, or do something, you, you're basically just selling your time for an advertisement um, and then trying to stay in front of as many people as possible. And the content to do that is, isn't really, I don't know. It, it starts to really feel like work and not just doing something that you love doing. Yeah, and that's the thing is I, I really enjoy doing I really just enjoy this. So for me, I don't care about the numbers, this and that. I'm just going to keep – I love to bring on guests. I love to, like, you know, talk to them. I love to learn. Like I said, is every time I talk to somebody, I'm probably going to learn one new thing. Just like, you know, that's just how it goes. And the audience yeah. learns one new thing, and that's what it's about because – 
It's, I would like to go to lunch with you and sit down and have a conversation with all this stuff. But it's like, why don't I just do it on a podcast forum? You can hear it because most people aren't willing to go sit down at lunch and ask all these questions because they just don't want to. But they'll definitely go, hey, I want to listen to that conversation. Or they can't get in front of those people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, so, like, and you, and I was telling Crystal that when we, I talked, you took my call, like, after Gary, and I was asking you about the podcast, and you're like, yeah, once you kind of hit 10, you start to get momentum and you feel like, you just feel a little differently about your podcast, and I can feel like from the first one to even this one, I don't know how many we've done, not launched, but done, you just feel more comfortable. You feel more yourself. You feel like we're just having a conversation here. And that's why I tell people like, hey, this is an interview. I have questions because I want to remind myself their jobs. But We have people come with like full-on presentations yeah, I'm ready. Like, this is, I'm, like, I'm like, this is just a conversation. Yeah. Like This is us having – What do you mean? I don't know. Like, it's a live show. They're going to ask them. They haven't asked them yet. And people don't realize that that's more fun for me. And it, it's like, yeah, we'll just let's see where this goes. This turns into something. And um, the side effect, too, like, I've never been good at speaking publicly or doing a lot of those things, but I'm better at public speaking having done a lot of video and podcasts or I'm better at getting stuck at an airport bar next to a stranger because I I've talked to 200 people now where that wasn't a strength of mine before and those are like unique things they don't really think about or you think I can't do this because I'm not a naturally whatever person and a lot of those things can be developed if you're if you're doing it around something you enjoy doing if I had to talk about a certain topic over and over again a hundred times I'd probably lose interest talking to cool and interesting people about things they are passionate about, I think will always be something that is fun for me. So that's why I just try to like keep it as broad and open as yeah. possible. Yeah. So how do you market your podcast? A lot of it early on was, was straight up like organically. We, we were the, the 60 second highlight clips is what we called them before. Like Instagram videos really took off. Those on Facebook did the most for us where by giving a clip to our guest and them sharing that clip with a link to the podcast for the full interview below, because if I gave out a link and I was like, here's our podcast, listen to it. And it's like 45 minutes long. It's like, I don't have time for 45 minutes. If someone discovers this video, it's like, well, that was a really cool topic. I'm going to listen to this later. Yeah. That drove more traffic than literally anything else that's we awesome. did. Those, those highlight video clips. Yeah, that's that's, um, and it was funny. I was listening to one of your podcast show and I think you're saying this and correct me if I'm wrong. You're saying there's so many people that podcast and they just do a podcast, but they literally don't put it on Facebook and social media and all this. It's like, they don't even put it out there. They just do it and sit there like, okay, people are going to find it. And you're like, it just put it out there. Like it's simple. Like it's just how to reach people wherever they are. And it was as simple as like, once Facebook started treating YouTube links badly, you used to be able to post a YouTube link, it would autoplay on Facebook. Facebook's like, nope, video's a big deal. We're going to block these. We want you to upload the video to YouTube specifically. And now we've built out all these apps on our phones to where people don't even like to leave the app they're on to go to a website. So Instagram made it so you could buy stuff directly on Instagram because people weren't leaving the website when you clicked on it why you would expect someone to do that with your podcast when you don't do it with your own stuff is, is kind of silly. So having the best content available, instead of saying, listen to my 45 minute show to find out the secret to this, it's here's a 60 second video about the secret to this and just give it to them right then because that will work better than trying to like clickbait people into finding more stuff or, or hiding everything behind like a link and, and trying to get someone to listen to a podcast who doesn't want to listen to a podcast to me is silly when they could still add value to you. So give them an, a transcribed article to read that is about your podcast or give them a, a photo behind the scenes of us recording the podcast. Or there's a lot of ways to just recreate what you're already doing and reach people where they are, where they're, where they're, where they're coming. Yeah, and um, you kind of just touched on this before, but I was going to ask you kind of this question. Since you've done 200 podcasts, I know you just said this, but what do you think's like? What's the like? What's the one thing that you take away that you learned about yourself after 200 podcasts doing it? Like, there's something you know. Is there something that you kind of like learned or about yourself? I know that's a weird question, but because you you know you go back and listen to them and all that, you're like, hmm, you know. Um, 
I don't know. The, the one takeaway would be like, I literally set out to do it because I couldn't get clients to do it. And I couldn't show the ROI to people because it didn't exist yet. But I knew there was an opportunity with doing something like this. So I set out to do 50 episodes before I even considered what we would do next. And I told the guy that I was doing them with, I was like, you don't know anything about podcasts, me neither. By the end of this, you're going to know more about podcasts than anyone in Phoenix. And he kind of laughed at me. And it's like, it didn't seem that absurd to me because no one knew anything about podcasts. We started flying through these episodes to the point where we did one every single day. We pulled back on it because I felt like we weren't doing a good enough time marketing each of our guests because we always had a new one coming up. (laughs) So we ended up slowing down the process for that reason alone. But we got to a hundred episodes before we sat down and said, okay, like what, what, what is the takeaway from all of this? And instantly like, I wasn't trying to start a podcast business. I was trying to create a business and using podcasts to market it. We have a podcast network now. My producer who started the first episode with me, which is the worst podcast episode you've ever seen. It's still on the internet. I check, I would check it out. He knows more about podcasts than anyone in Phoenix right now. And people will hire us just to have him consult and go like, like teach them how to use their own equipment. He has no formal training. We did it all from YouTube and trial and error. And you asked us what equipment we used. We found that because we kept going out to these blogs and these videos. We tried something like that equipment work or now we got this mic. It doesn't work with that other stuff. So we've got a, we've got a storage room that's like a graveyard of old podcasts. <laughs> Everything from like the old headsets and all this other stuff. And, and going through that process, like we showed you every single step of the way. There was nothing unique to it other than we just kept doing it the one thing i would push is make it as easy as possible to to succeed which is what you guys are doing if i had to do all the technical stuff and all of the other stuff it would never have happened like maybe it would have but we'd maybe be on episode 30 not not 150 or Oh, I can't even imagine if we had to do it all. It's, it's crazy. Just, yeah. You have to make it as easy as possible on yourself or it becomes work or you're sitting there and you're interviewing, you have three more to edit and you haven't post, published them yet. It slows you down so much. But, and then that's why you end up just putting it up on the audio and you don't make the website, you don't make the Instagram account, you don't do those other things because you're doing so much stuff as it is. If you're able to do it in a way where you can make it just do the easy stuff, put the systems in place and scale it, you will just get better. It'll be fun. You'll want to do more instead of less. And you just kind of trick yourself into making it as easy to succeed as possible. That's my biggest takeaway probably from this whole process, but it wasn't as much of a shock as it was like, I, I don't know. Like it, it, it just seemed so like it wasn't a giant reveal. It was a, a slog. It was a lot of just doing it a little bit all of the time. And then looking back and being like, man, I can't believe we had like JP Sears as like our 30th episode. Like it's crazy that he even wanted to like come on our stuff or trying to like do some of these things where Red Bull is a good example where they came out to Phoenix and posted something on Facebook and said, we want to do something for Phoenix startup week in the podcast space who do you guys know? And 10 people said Skylar. So Red Bull hires us to go do a bunch of stuff at Phoenix Startup Week. That that paid for itself. I mean, that type of thing, we never advertised on our podcast or wanted to. All of our businesses probably come directly or indirectly from being the podcast, whether it's the connections that I made with the guests that came on and referred us business or people that saw us or people that have seen us for a hundred episodes of being like, wow, these guys are everywhere. It's really been the biggest driver of a lot of the things that we've done. And I, like if I'm a real estate agent, I'd be doing the exact same thing because you could interview the owner of every top restaurant in a neighborhood and maybe your podcast doesn't go viral, but every one of those restaurant owners now might refer you everyone that's at their bar talking about selling their house. Like that's the relationship that you didn't have before. You talk about building your database. You talk about like trying to put people in your sphere of influence or creating drip campaigns. The podcast to me is just a tool to get people into your circle you just have to maintain it, continuously to have them value, send them more stuff. It's to me, the podcast was never like the end all be all thing, but it's the tool that's really just like changed the game and gave someone like me an opportunity to, to jumpstart what would have taken me a lot longer to do without it. It's essentially, it's essentially like, like a funnel a- for business. I mean, cause it, it, that was like the 10 X thing that we were learning. Russell Brunson was there talking about all the click funnels and everything. And all this is at the end of the day is really just like a funnel to drive more business. I mean, that's, 
give value, 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 value. And then hopefully they do business with you at the end of it. Create as many opportunities as you can for yourself. Like more opportunities, you get better at closing them, but the more opportunities you have, I think the more you can do. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk to you, um, social media next, building a brand. Um, I know, I know you're very active in that. So what, what's your, what, what platform are you kind of focusing on? Um, a little about that. And then is there anything that you're kind of also that might not be the sexy new thing that you're kind of, are you working on, you know, maybe a lot of, some people are working in LinkedIn or definitely LinkedIn. I mean, that was my answer before to the first question and the second one. I, <laughs> I was, I haven't been on LinkedIn for five years. I started, I logged in again in maybe October of 2018 with the goal of putting out real content regularly in 2019. And so that's what I'm going in on. Their platform has improved. It's not what it was. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's great. It's just the place that I've spent the least amount of time. So I've got the most opportunity to grow. Um, but I've seen immediate results already. I've been putting out content everywhere, but LinkedIn for five years, I put up a video that had three people call me up and been like, whoa, that's so cool. I had no idea you were doing that. And it's just crazy. There's some people on LinkedIn that I know that have just never seen any of the other stuff that I've done. The video stuff is really neat. I know they're rolling out a live stream, which I'll be interested to see how it works. But as a B2B business, it makes sense. I don't think there's a lot of great creative content on LinkedIn. I think people feel like it has to be boring to be business and that's not the case. You could do something that is business related, but also creative. And to, to me, it's just going into places that aren't crowded and doing something different instead of trying to do something that, that's already being done and better. I, I think I either have to spend more time as they are and spend more money to compete or do the thing that no one's doing yet and have less competition. That gives me more time to get better and more time to get a head start. Yep. LinkedIn to me is that because I haven't been doing anything there yet. And the content that I see up there is it, it feels a little dated to me is the best way of explaining it. I think yeah, there's ways of adding a little bit more creativity and, and production to some of these things and, and, and you'll stand out. And then it's up to you whether or not you can close on those opportunities. I see a lot of people just sharing articles on there and then I'm, I am starting to see people being more active but the um, videos that to say are pretty sure. like blah. Yeah. Nobody's very very like business like. Nobody's yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like if you could create, if you could do some really creative, I agree with you. Like people would be like, "Wow, this guy's putting some." I mean, if you're already doing it on one platform, I'll just throw it over there and just see what happens, right? I mean, that's the worst case you could do. Yeah, so that's where I'm spending a lot of a lot of my time, and and that's not because I think it's better than the other places. It's just I've. I kind of spend a full year building out a system and then I'll go on to the next thing. And Facebook and Instagram and YouTube were those big things. The podcast channel was those big things. And now I'm not, I'm not leaving those channels. I'm just the next thing I'm expanding into is spending this year on LinkedIn, figuring out what's working, what's not working. So that way by 2020, I'll have it automated and then I'll be on to the next thing, hopefully. What's the next thing? <laughs> it might not even exist yet. I don't know. I, 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 I what what I've realized, and it's, I know you guys know this, but it's like you don't have to be first. Like no, no. you can, if you're getting good at, at at doing a podcast and doing an interview, you don't have to be the first to a platform to succeed on it. When it when it finally hits and exists, the skills that matter are what you guys are doing, which is creating the content. The content can then go anywhere. Yeah, it yeah. changes a little bit depending on the platform, but trying to like it's trying to be Logan Paul jumping out of an airplane to to get all of the views first, but then where do you go with that? Meanwhile, if you guys have this dominant platform that's doing really well on all these channels, a new one comes along, you don't you could wait a year to get into it and still see success. It doesn't have to be like a rat race every time. Yeah. Do you think um, with social media and the podcast and all that, do you think consistency is just the most important thing? I do. We've, we've talked about, I've had different people uh, kind of rank things differently, but like the, the quality of your content is king and the consistency is queen has been kind of a common thing where one is hard. The other one is even harder. And I, I feel like people almost get insulted if you bring it up saying, <laughs> What's the best advice for doing a podcast? It's like make it as easy as possible for you to succeed. So if that's once a month, do that and then add to it. Don't try to do it every week 
to the point where all of a sudden you miss a week and now you feel like a failure and it sucks and now it's over. Do it in a way that makes it so easy to succeed that you could do it if you were sick and hungover and didn't feel good because eventually like that day will happen and that that consistency like you lose so much of that momentum and and influencers feel that when they they're afraid to take a vacation or they they front load a lot of content so they can put stuff out later on and that fear will go away when you've done something for a while but putting something out every single day is so hard to do that if you can learn that 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 skill you can then apply that to whatever else you want to do whatever social media platform it is whatever marketing thing it is maybe it's maybe it turns into just calling one person a day and asking for business like doing that one simple thing would change so many people's sales businesses yet they don't want to do it because it seems too easy and really they just don't want to make that phone call but that consistency of doing something every single day you just get so much better at it and if if you're trying to do I'm recording today and this we're going to do five episodes that's going to go out over the next five weeks. What I found is the first time you do something will be the worst time you do it. So you get better the consistently you do it. If you're only recording once a month, that means it's going to be like three months later until you start seeing yep. some progress with yourself. And it's harder to maintain that versus I'm doing this every single day. Or I'm doing this every single Monday or I'm doing this on the 15th of every single month. Um, setting those types of rules I think is helpful without like I'm going to commit to this number and then I will figure it out is a good, is a good tactic. Yeah, I agree. Cause even I look back at the first podcast we did, like how long it took to set up, how much preparation, how much we thought about it. And then even everybody that's watched it has said, wow, from the first episode to now, even we're only like five episodes in or something. It's like a huge difference. And we were doing two and we do two and three a week, you know? So that's really, that's really yeah. Like when I first started, I didn't know what I was going to do. So at first I wanted to not have any, I just want to sit down and have a conversation. And it was, it was weird. I've like, I kind of ran out of stuff to say. So the next one I had all like 10 questions that I wrote down, but then I would ask a question. They'd, they'd be talking. And the second they stopped talking, I just asked the next question. I wouldn't engage with them. <laughs> and I, I, it took me a while to kind of realize like, this isn't really comfortable for me. And and then I was like, well, I don't want to have any notes. But then I had someone who, no matter what I said, kept giving me like one or answers. So it was like 14 minutes in, I was completely out of stuff and I didn't know what to do. So it took me a while to figure out what made sense for me because I didn't have the time to spend two hours prepping notes every single time. So we evolved systems that work to make it easy for me to sit down and go. So how hard is it to put together like a 10 question questionnaire, email it to your guest ahead of time, they send it back to you and maybe you use it as notes, maybe you don't. We create blog posts for every single episode so it's really easy to take their answers and now that's the blog post. If I need the notes, I have them, I don't, I don't have to. So we made it so all I had to do was sit down and go, my team did the rest that's the only way we succeeded. And it took, it took even 10, 15 episodes for me to figure that out. Yeah. Do you, do you think there's, um, a, a, this may be a weird question. I don't know. Do you think there's a difference from people trying to build a brand online and then trying to like market just social media online? You know, is there, do you, do you like separate the two? Like, Hey, I'm trying, I'm in business. I'm a realtor and I want to use social media to market myself. And is there a difference in I want to build an actual brand or was it like one in the same? The way I would answer that question is it's, I feel like it's really um, not in a negative term, but like the waters have been muddied to where it's really, it's really one thing. And I've got like a business Facebook page. That's what they were called. Now they're public pages or whatever. So maybe it's a public page, but like that's where I'll put all of my content that is, Skylar Irvine brand related because I don't want to bombard my friends and family on Facebook with that stuff. If they want it, it's available here. But on my personal page, it's me, it's stuff I'm doing. It's not that I'm hiding my personal life and hiding my business life from each other. It's just on this channel, it's, here's where I put this type of content if you want it. On this channel, here's where I put this type. But it's still me. It's still my voice. It's still me engaging with people. My business side shows my friends and family or my kids. Uh, my personal stuff will still reflect a lot of my business stuff. But I don't need to share every single podcast episode on my personal Facebook like I would on other accounts because – People are aware of what I'm doing. I think, I think the mistake that people fall into is, all right, I need to come up with what my personal brand is going to be and trying to create it 
and then become that. And it doesn't work that way because it feels like work. Like that, I keep coming back to you turn into Logan Paul jumping out of airplanes because that's the personal brand you created, but that's not who you are. And when you create a personal brand that isn't like isn't who you are, it's gonna feel like jumping out of airplanes pretty soon. Like getting up and like, oh, I've gotta, I've gotta like put on this so I can do my Instagram story instead of doing your Instagram story because like that's part of your brand. And, and I think that's, that's the struggle that I most common see with people that are trying to think about what they want their personal brand to be instead of just sharing what they are doing and trying to just improve. Um, do you do, are you, do you see a difference with Facebook live and Instagram live? Do you prefer one? Are you doing both or when you're doing your live stuff? Um, so the Facebook live that we do, we do through sling studio. So we have like a live switcher that plays with three cameras and we create like an actual like show out of it. And then we turn that into all of our other podcast audio stuff. Um, on Instagram, I've, I've tested it out a couple of times, like kind of doing the behind the scenes stuff on the Instagram live. Um, the playing the whole show I've done, but I don't, I don't think it's that exciting because the audio isn't as good as when we're using the mics and stuff. I like treating it more of like the behind the scenes. Um, as far as like Facebook live, I think when it first came out, everyone jumped on it because Facebook wanted people to use it. So if you did one, it notified everyone in your feed. So if you did a Facebook live, it got more views than if you did a regular video. So you're thinking, wow, I'm doing Facebook live. This is awesome. People love me. But really what ends up happening is you're doing these like shaky iPhone videos with the Facebook live that you pull it out. Like here's an open house. (laughs) Everyone's viewing it, but really they're clicking on it to turn off notifications. So then all of a sudden your Facebook live community drops and you don't know why it's because everyone was just being notified that you were doing one. It wasn't that great. So now the conversation is Facebook live doesn't work. I used to do those. They don't work anymore. But if you can create decent quality Facebook lives, they're pretty interesting. And doing the live engagement stuff where you can create it around an event. I think if you did a Facebook live every day at a certain time for a week, um, I think you'd see a lot of positive results three months later. If you promoted a Facebook live around a certain event where, hey, maybe we're doing a round table with our three friends around the Oscars. So if you guys are at home watching the Oscars, tune into our Facebook Live. It'll be like we're watching it together, Um, tying into communities, tying into real-time events. I think there's a lot of creative ways to use these things. Um, One of the things we were doing was just creating a new show where I got to the point where I wanted to change my podcast up, but I didn't want to lose what I was doing. That's why we created Ask Skyler Live because it was really fun to hop on a Facebook Live, answer three questions in and out and go. I, um, I like the live. It's more energy. It's kind of faster instead of sitting down and, and kind of listening to someone's um, morning routine and, and storytelling process. Um, and, and then like, so that's what's kind of caught up with us doing more produced show like Facebook Lives. But I don't think that's the only way you can use that platform. I think there's a lot of creative things that you can do utilizing these things and not just thinking that just because it doesn't work as well as it used to work, it's never going to work again. Um, I think it's just finding something that you can do that you can do well and just keep doing it, whether it's an Instagram Live, a Facebook Live, or Instagram Stories. Like, There's a lot of opportunities still. It's, it's not that as crowded as I think people think. So, um, what's next for you, your business? Like where, what do you, I know you talk about focusing this year. Where do you raise your focus? I, I know you're LinkedIn, but what's kind of next for you? And are you doing anything outside of this business? Or are you just kind of fully focused on the podcast, the media and stuff? Is that kind of what your full business is? Yeah. So I, I've been involved with a charity group here in town when I had a lot more free time and I committed and ended up becoming chairman of an event and, I spent so much time building this charity event. Um, yes, it broke records. Yes, we raised a ton of money for children's charities. Yeah, I'll pat myself on the back. Um, but I spent so much time doing that that I neglected a lot of the other stuff. And as I'm fading out of that charity involvement, as my kids are getting a little bit older, I'm really trying to cut down because I love doing everything at the same time and try to grow it as fast as possible. That's my own fault. If I can cut back on a lot of these things and just focus on one thing, see it through, and then go on to the next thing. So cutting back on a lot of our business services was one of those. I ended up in the hospital two times this year for freakish things that pulled me out of my business for an extended period of time. When I realized that there's only certain things in this business I can do, that's detrimental to our clients. Like that could hurt our business if this happens to me again. So I had to kind of rearrange some of our contracts, get rid of those items. And now I'm only selling the things that my team does, which is the content creation, the video, the podcast, 
from there, we'll start to add things. So as far as what I want to do this next year is basically build out just our company services and spend more time with our family and have more time just dedicated to those two things because those two things yield the most results for me. And then from there, I think a lot of this other stuff's going to come. I'm, I'm trying to speak more. I'm trying to get in front of more people, um, do more workshops. I've created so much content. I do like getting out within, whether it's talking in front of like a couple hundred people or whether it's getting in a group of 15 people for a Q&A. I learn a lot from that experience. And uh, that's something I'm looking to kind of add to because um, these other things are kind of already in place place and working, I want to try to do things that involve getting in front of multiple people at once and, and seeing where that stuff kind of goes. Very cool. So I have one more question for you off topic. Um, I actually DM'd you about this. Are you still doing those um, 36 hour fast? Um, so it's Friday. I am. Um, <laughs> last week, I, yeah. Um, but at first it was a mental thing to see if I could do it. And then it got to just be part of my weekly routine. And then like, I don't know, it, it's, it's a good, I don't know. It's like a weird stoic philosophy type thing where you put yourself through silly things to appreciate how good you have it. Um, so that's, that's kind of why I'm still doing it. I don't, I think there are health benefits. I don't know what they are, uh, but I am still doing that. That's awesome. What, so it starts when Friday? Yeah. So I, my last meal is on Thursday evening and then I'll eat breakfast on Saturday. Wow. And you know what? I heard this. It was on a Gary V was doing some, uh, one of those round tables with a couple of people. And they're like, one of those questions is like, so what's the cool, what's the new hot thing you're doing? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah she's like, I'm fasting. And I was like, Oh, I do intermittent fasting. And she literally says, right up, and she's like, and not that pussy, like 12 hour fast. I do full 36 hour fast. And I was like, how do you do a 36 hour fast? I was like, that's insane. And because she said it that way, I was like, I wonder if I could do that. And that's kind of what triggered it was just, could I do that? Like, it sounds impossible. Uh, but it's funny. It, it all does end up circling back to Gary Vee. He's, he's the new six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon, I think. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Um, and where can everybody find you at? What's the best way? Uh, I mean, the Google machine, skylarvine.com is my home base. That's where all the uh, episodes of the shows are, links, uh, Instagram. I'm probably most able to communicate with people um, as far as back and forth goes, Facebook, YouTube, uh, and now LinkedIn as well. So hopefully wherever you're spending time, I have a presence there. And if you want to connect, I look forward to it. Um, but what about you guys? Anything I can do to help you guys out? I appreciate you having me on. This was awesome. I'm glad I got to finally meet you. Um, and next time you're in Phoenix, anything I can do to help promote you guys? You know, honestly, um, that's why I always say when it's funny when I interview people because I always learn one or two things. I think today we kind of learned that um, I was wondering if you – I know you mentioned before you're starting to do LinkedIn, so that was one thing I was going to talk to you about. But I think for us, we're not really even promoting, but I think that's not – like you just kind of taught us one thing today about doing that. But I also like what you mentioned about – is having a guest come on and just do the little snippet of a 60 second where they're good and give it to them and let them put it out to their audience. That's a great idea because they might they might take the 60 second and go, oh, I should listen to the rest. So that was pretty cool. No, honestly, no, honestly we, we appreciate send me the video, Send me a link to the video of this stuff. I'll have my team make a, make a short out of this one. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Honestly, we just appreciate your time coming on. Um, it's That's supporting us enough and we get to learn more about you and your business. And honestly, like, for our audience, it's that's a lot of people, our audience that's listening to this, they're not really big into social or marketing. And a lot of them are just because, they're starting to wake up because, it, because yeah. of what we're doing. A lot of them are starting to wake up and they're like, wow. And they're starting to realize like I should be doing this. And some of them are. And so they're going to listen to this and they're going to get some value out of it, which is awesome for all of us. Cool. And trust me, it's not a, it's not a big ask to get me to talk about myself for an hour. Happy <laughs> to <do it> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. We'll look forward to staying in touch. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.